Hi, thanks for joining us for this message from Red Church in Melbourne, Australia. We pray that you're blessed by it. If you'd like to know more about Red Church or its ministries, or if you'd like to support us financially, you can find out more by heading to connect.redchurch.org.au. Hi, my name's Ryan. We're in our Advent series. Really in this series, we're diving into the Bible and looking at these biblical characters and their response to this moment in history where where Jesus came, God came into the world. The series is called, O Come All Ye Faithful. And we're looking at the faithfulness of their response and what we can learn from it. So today I'm, I'm sharing with you from two different parts of scripture, from Luke and Matthew. We're gonna be looking at two groups of people. We're gonna be looking at the shepherds and how they responded. And we're gonna be looking at the magi, the wise men, the three kings and how they responded. So grab your Bibles, jump into uh, Luke. We're going to start with Luke 2, verse 1 to 20. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went out to, to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth in Galilee, to Judea, to Bethlehem the town of David, because he belonged to the house of the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who he was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for a baby to be born. And she gave birth to the firstborn son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God, to the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen, they'd heard and seen which were just as they had been told. Wow, this is an intense story. This, there's heavenly hosts. We, we learn that the shepherds were scared, they were afraid. Um, I, I, I sometimes read scripture and I'm like, wow, I, I haven't had experiences like this. I've had experiences of God and I've heard from God in different ways in my life in, in small quiet, but this, this, this heavenly host, like, how do I reason this? How do I, how do I reckon with this? How do I get the gold out of this scripture? Well, firstly, it's important that we know what scripture is. Scripture is truth. 
Scripture is the word of God. Scripture is unchangeable. Scripture is God's truth for us. I love this historian, this scholar, who, who says scripture could be described like an egg. Scripture is like this egg. This, the yolk of the egg is this historical information. And the white of the egg is divine interpretive dialogue. We feed on scripture. The scripture is nourishing for us. But often, scripture is like eating an omelette. We don't try and unscramble the plate. We, we, it's hard to differentiate sometimes between the white and the yolk. But it's nourishing and we should, we should take it and, and, and consume it for us, for our hearts. So the first thing I want to point out about the scripture is um, it was only after Jesus' death, it was years after his death, that people started writing down these stories of this, this significant character, this, this God who had come into the world, Jesus. It was only after his death, only after his resurrection, that people realized the significance of what had just happened. So some of you might think, oh, this is, this is white, this is all egg white, this is interpretive stuff. Some of you might think, this is yolk, this is actually a historical account. And it actually doesn't really matter. It's scripture, it's truth. And we've got to glean from this, we've got to learn something from this. The other thing we have to do when we read scripture is we have to put down our familiarity. We would have seen this story on postcards, on Christmas cards, on, we would have seen this on heard this in, in, in Christmas carols, and we have this familiarity with the Christmas story. And actually, as we read scripture, we have to put down that familiarity and allow God to speak to us through scripture. What can we glean from it? What can we learn from it? So that's what we're going to do together today around this story of the shepherds and their encounter. But before we do that, I said we're going we're gonna to learn from two, two groups of people, the shepherds and the magi. So jump back with me into the Bible to Matthew 2, verses 1 to 12. So this is the story of the Magi. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and we came to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all of Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judea. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. When Herod called the Magi secretly, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I may go and worship and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until they, it stopped over a place where a child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. So this is the nativity scene, right? This is the scene that we've seen on these 
Christmas cards, you've perhaps seen it at school growing up, you've maybe even if you're like me, you you you've been in a nativity play. I, I grew up in England, very post-Christian culture. Um, and and every year at my primary school, there used to be this nativity scene. And in fact, the kids would get involved and play these different parts. I, I remember this one year, um, I I was given the part of the shepherd, one of the shepherds, right? And um, I just remember having to put this dirty tea towel on my head and wrap this dirty tea towel around my head. I remember looking over at one of my mates at primary school. I would have been seven years old. And one of my mates got to be one of the kings, one of the three kings. And he he had a crown and he was carrying this pot of gold. And I'm like, oh, man, this sucks. This sucks. I've got a dirty tea towel on my head and he gets to carry the gold. This isn't fair. Kind of sounds funny but it really sucked for me. And at 37, that was when I was seven, at 37, there's elements of this story that are rusted on that I just don't question or don't really think about. And there, there are things, there's these misconceptions that, that I think we bring to the nativity story. And we, I want to unpack these today. And what we're going to do is we're actually going to look at what does scripture actually say? Not what have we understood from culture? What is what has our experience told us? But what does scripture say? And what does scripture want to say to us through this? There's a few like obvious misconceptions here. There's never three kings mentioned. There aren't necessarily three. Um, that's a bit of a tradition because there were three gifts. It became three kings. They're not kings. They're, they're magi. They're wise men. They're astrologers. They're from the east. Um, they were from the courts of kings, but they're not necessarily kings. Scripture doesn't say that. It's really interesting. When you look at the, the book of Matthew, Matthew's using this, this rich narrative to explain something about who this baby was, who Jesus is, who God is in the world. Actually, there's a lot of fulfillment of prophecy through these writings. Psalm 72 verse 11, may all kings come and kneel, bow down before him. It's Emmanuel. This is the line of David. This is born in Bethlehem. This is the virgin birth. There's, there's actually rich narrative explaining who this baby is, who God is for us. But actually the shepherds and the magi represent two different groups. They're two distinct and different groups. They both go on a physical journey. There's actually a lot of similarities between these two groups. They both understood something, something significant has happened. They both stopped what they were doing and, and went on a journey towards Jesus. They both saw the baby Jesus. They saw God as a baby. So there's a lot of similarities between these two groups, but there's actually some key differences between these two groups too. And I think we can learn something from these key differences. These key differences between these two groups are an encouragement to us and a warning for us. So let's unpack this together. Well, the first is this. The shepherds, the shepherds had this encounter. The glory of the Lord shone around them. We hear of heavenly hosts. We, we hear that they were afraid. The shepherds had this divine encounter with God. Conversely, the, the magi, they're astrologers. They were charting the skies and they saw a star. They actually realized that something significant was happening, but they actually got there by human logic, by reason, 
by reason and understanding. The shepherds in their response, they say, it's, it's, it's almost comedic. They have this encounter with God and then they say, it's almost like they're chatting amongst themselves and they're like, well, let's, let us go, let's go. Come on, let's go. We've got, to, we've got to go to Bethlehem. Let's go and see this thing the Lord's told us about. And they agree and they go together. There's this personal acceptance. Whereas the Magi, what they say is, where's the one who's been born king of the Jews? That's not for here. It's something that's happened out there. There's actually this detachment. But it's a respectful response, but it's a detached respect respectful response. We hear about the shepherds. They hurried off. They went at once. They hurried. Their posture was changed. Shepherds, if you think about it, the shepherds are on a hill looking after a flock and they hurried off. This experience, this divine encounter, this personal acceptance caused them just to reorder in that moment the priority of their lives. They got up and went. Conversely, the, 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 the Magi, they were overjoyed. They bowed down. They worshipped. But then in verse 12, there's this really interesting line where it says, they returned to their country by another route. It's as if they just continued on the course of their lives. They did the right thing. They bought, they bought the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh. They honoured this, this, this king. But it was this detachment, this king of the Jews, this king for the other. And they just carried on with the course of their lives. The shepherds, we learn, when they, when, they, when they had seen him, they spread the word. All who heard it were amazed. Shepherds in, in Greco-Roman culture were not um, people of prestige. They were not people to be uh, listened to. They were, they were people that were on the fringes of society. And, but yet these shepherds, after they'd been to to Jesus, after they'd had this encounter, all who heard them were amazed. These shepherds returned glorifying, praising God. See, there's a, a distinct difference between these two groups. The Magi, they gained a radical experience for themselves. The shepherds were changed by this radical experience for others. The reality is the greatest experiences of God are given to the simplest surrendered hearts of mankind. See, these shepherds, they were the first to be told. God chose them and came to them first and sent angels to send them to receive this good news first out of everyone in humanity. They were the first to respond. They were the first to be changed. They were the first to be activated, to bring this good news into the world towards others. See, the irony is seven-year-old Ryan with the dirty tea towel around his head was envying people who weren't the first to receive this, this message from God. But the reality is, the truth is, 37-year-old Ryan falls into the same trap sometimes. 
I don't. I want to be like those who have. I don't want to be like those who have not. I want my life to to be a life that that gains something in this world. I'm less inclined to want my life to to be a life of surrender and loss. Scripture tells us that the first will be last and the last will be first. Jesus says, but whoever seeks to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. I want this this divine encounter of the shepherds. I want to be radically changed like the shepherds. I don't want to go through the motions of human logic like the Magi. But something gets in the way sometimes. Something gets in the way from me embracing that. I've got to know that the reality is the greatest experiences of God are given to the simplest surrendered hearts of mankind. So how do we seek this out? How do I, how does, how do I, how do you seek out this posture of the shepherds? Well, first of all, let's have a look at what this posture is. See, the posture of the shepherd is this childlike acceptance. Often my posture, more of a posture of my own king, rather than just accepting truth, accepting God, I have this idol. It's almost a Western idol of intellect and understanding, of knowledge. The posture of the shepherd is an embracing of simplicity in living. They're just on the mountainside, on the hillside, watching over a flock. Whereas the posture of a, a king, the posture of the magi is close to, in the inner courts of the kings. They've got this desire for prestige, for, for status. This posture of the shepherd is just a willingness to surrender, to submit to him, to God, to the Lord. Whereas the posture of a king, my posture can often be this desire to acquire an experience for me. We actually need to training into this. Too often in my life, I adopt a posture of the king rather than the posture of the shepherd. I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you're prioritizing and have this idol around understanding and intellect and um, knowledge or whether you are really willing to have childlike acceptance. But if God is going to grow you in that area, the challenge is just to adopt it, to step into it. When you don't understand, put yourself down and say, not my will but yours, God. Train yourself to step into this childlike posture of acceptance. Maybe you're desiring status and, and, and prestige in your life. Maybe the call is to just embrace simplicity in a new way. Maybe you like the prestige. Maybe you're a CEO. Maybe you're a, um, a big deal in your world. Maybe you need to train yourself by doing something in the quiet, in the silent, where no one sees an act of humility. Humility. 
Maybe you have this desire to acquire an experience for your life. And God's calling you just to surrender and give your life. The greatest experiences of God are given to the simplest surrendered hearts of mankind. I, uh, I had a um, bit of a rough fortnight, really, over the last, last two weeks. I, um, yeah, so it's been a funny, funny couple of weeks. The first thing that happened is my, my smartwatch broke. My Fitbit just stopped. I'm looking at it, it's telling me I've got a zero heart rate. I'm thinking, oh, I think it's still going. I think that's wrong. Um, reset it, couldn't get it working. I'm like, ah, oh, just watching the bins, out of warranty. Oh. Next, I, uh, I reversed my car out of car spots. I went for a walk with a friend, um, finished up. Reversing my car out of a car spot, smashed into a post that I didn't even see. I'm like, oh, what's your excess? Oh, I've got to pay a shell out for this. This stupid bump in my, on my car. Worse even still, the guy that was my mate that I was walking with is a mechanic, so it was humiliating. He's a guy that knows cars, and I'm the guy that's just crashed the car. It's embarrassing. And then a few days ago, I, I, I got this land tax bill, right? It's a reasonably big bill. Um, I've, I've objected to it. I've, I've, I've written a notice. It feels a bit unjust, but I got this notice that says that, that basically the way land tax work is, is you're guilty until proven innocent. So you've just got to start paying it back. And I'm like, oh, God, even though there's this objection process, I was told, well, that can take months. So just start paying it. And I'm like, oh, this sucks. So anyway, I, uh, I jump on the phone. I'm, I'm, I need to sort out a payment plan for this land tax that I don't think I really should be paying. Um, and I jump on this phone and, and, and um, I explain to the, the, the lady from the tax department, I, I'm speaking to this lady, lovely lady, and I just said, um, I said, oh, look, I just want to explain the situation. Like this land tax is actually from a house we've sold. Um, we, we, we've only ever owned one house. We, we sold this house. Um, and we, we live somewhere different now. And I know that you've, you've decided that I owe this land tax, I've objected to it. Oh, and she says, yeah, I can see the objection notice here. I said, well, look, the situation is this, like the, the size of the bill, like if it was 12 months ago, I was quite senior in, in the construction industry then. So this would have been like two weeks salary for me. But now I'm a church pastor and now it's like near a six month salary. Um, so I need a repayment plan that responds to that, that allows me to pay it off a bit slower. This really interesting thing happened. She says, um, in fact, this amazing thing happened. She says, oh, let me just have a look at this in a minute. Oh, this doesn't seem fair. Oh, no, you've only ever, if you've only ever owned one house, I, I can't understand why we're pursuing you for this, Ryan. Hold on, she says. I'm, um, I'm going to speak to a supervisor. I'm just going to get a second uh, approval on this. I'm pretty sure I can close this off for you. Just give me a few minutes. Are you okay to wait on hold? I'm like, oh, yes. So she clicks me on hold and the music starts. And I'm sat at my desk and I'm like, oh, God, you are good. God, you're awesome. I cannot believe that you're just going to clean this up for me. Like, God, like this is fantastic. And in my head, I'm thinking about how this is going to play out. I'm like, I bet you... Well, she's definitely in Victoria because she works with the Victorian tax department. I bet you she's in Melbourne. In fact, I bet you she's in Nunawadding. Like I'm going to say to her, when she tells me that that's it, I've tied up here, I'm going to say, oh, you don't understand the impact this has had on my family. You, 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 like, I actually 
feel like God has provided for you. I'm going to witness to her. This, she's, maybe she's even heard of Red Church. This is going to be such a cool story. She's probably going to come to church. This is an opportunity to witness. And I felt God say, hey, Ryan, you're making this about you. Is this about you? Or is this about me? Is this about God? What if, what if I don't cancel this debt? What if you've got to pay it? Are you going to follow me? I'm sat there on hold. And it just really hit me like, oh, I am going through human emotions like the Magi. God wants to transform me if I have the heart of the shepherd. But people have things a lot harder than me. As part of a, a pleasure of the role of being a pastor is you get to see into people's lives and help them in their lives. And there's people in this church that have far harder stuff going on than a, than a, a tax bill. But God in that moment was asking me, are you going to surrender? Are you going to give this to me? Or are you going to make this about you? So I surrendered. I said, God, this is about you. I kind of knew how it was going to play out in that moment. I'm like, I don't actually think this debt's going to be cancelled. The lady clicks on moments later and she says, um, look, I'm really sorry. Every, all my supervisors are out for coffee and um, I, I, I will speak to them. And is it okay if I give you a call back? Yeah, no worries. I was, I was, I'm, I'm like, it's irrelevant whether I have to pay this bill or not. I'm going to follow God. That's what I'm going to do. She called back hours later and, and actually I didn't even see the call, left a message and she said, oh, look, I'm really sorry. There's a, um, there's a process that's going on. You've raised the objection and it will reach its conclusion. So I'm not hopeful. I've got to be really careful when I tell stories like this as a pastor because you've got a bit of influence. You've got a bit of power. There's people that are probably listening to this going, oh, well, I could, I could tie you up the tax bill. I, I earn big, big wages. Some of you are even thinking, I don't earn much, but we could all club together and pay the tax bill. Don't waste your cash on me. I'm surrendered. I'm going to follow Jesus with my life. I don't, I don't need any money. God's, God's done something in here that means I'm going to follow him with my life. So please don't waste your money on that. But I do want you to do something. I'd like you to, if you've got some money, any money, I'd like you to log into your internet banking. I'd like you to look at that sum and say, God, this is yours. Please guide me as I use it. I'd like you to look at your children and say, God, these are yours. Please guide me. Lead me as I lead them. I'd like you to look in the eyes of your partner, your wife, or at the empty spot next to you on the bed and say, my singleness, my relationships, they're yours, Lord. Guide me. Lead me in my life. I'd like you to look in the mirror and say, God, I'm yours. Lead me. Guide me in my life. I'd like you to have that simple, surrendered heart that allows God to come in here. Because when we do that, when we act like the shepherds, when we have this childlike faith, when we have these simple, surrendered hearts, that's when God comes in. That's when we leave Jesus glorifying and worshipping. That's when people look at our lives and they're amazed. They're drawn to it. 
God wants you to have a simple, surrendered heart. Not so life's better for you, but so his glory can come through you into the world. Let God use your life. That's what I'm calling you to this morning. That's what I feel God is calling us to as his people. Let me pray. Father, we give you our lives. Help us, Lord. Help us adopt a, a, a simple, surrendered posture, laying down everything we have, laying down our feelings, laying down our thoughts, laying down our lives at the foot of your cross. May we, may, may we be a people here at Red who truly have lost our life so we can find our lives, so we can experience you through our lives. Lead us as your people, Lord, into your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.